wife and I, we've been um, part of this community kind of since the beginning of the year. So if we've had a chance to um, have a bit of a conversation, kia ora. If not, I'm sorry you get me like um, full bore uh, today. <laughs> I, um, I've had the opportunity to um, work in all sorts of spaces. I've been a pastor. I haven't been a pastor. I've been in prison, not in jail, as in like, <laughs> but, but working in there. And today uh, you have me for about 20 to 25 kind of minutes. Um, I'm going to take uh, two things um, that are really, really interesting and I want to kind of communicate and explore the Christmas story um, in a little bit of a different way. And, um, and I've called today um, a Lego allegory. I'm not on the payroll of Lego. I would love to be on the payroll for Lego. Um, but um, I want to uh, take you through a bit of a deep dive on just two things. And, and then I'm going to challenge you on what are you going to do about those things. Um, because when we come and be part of church, um, this isn't just a passive thing, but we are constantly trying to listen to God to discern. Uh, but also as we listen, um, God is, is inviting us towards wholeness, to, towards change. And sometimes it's really obvious and other times it just seems to be like, I'm just going through the motions trying to keep faithful to Jesus and, and hopefully I end up where I'm supposed to be. So whether, whether you're coming today and you're like, man, I'm kicking ass for Jesus or I'm, like, I'm barely hanging on, um, I want you to know that this community uh, welcomes you, whether you are onto it or whether you're just faking it at the moment. Um, you're so welcome. Heidi Mai, you know, with that. Um, so I'm going to, um, so which way do I point, by the way? And I push this button, eh? Do I got to point that way? Okay, uh, an allegory. So I've taken these two elements. An allegory is like a hidden meaning of some sort of story or some sort of picture. And, um, and we sort of see some of those sort of things, especially in literacy. Um, sometimes there've been political kind of works. I've used the example there of like the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, which Clive Staple Lewis uh, created is definitely this, this allegory. It's a story of Jesus um, coming as a lion and um, dying for, for not only um, uh, uh, Edmund, but for everyone. So that's like an allegory. So that's the first time, because sometimes when someone does something like tries to be clever. It's like, I'm bringing this thing of that there's an idea and story I'm about to present with you. And the second element is really, and this is a passion and a, and a love of mine, is, uh, is Lego. My first Lego set was when I was like six or seven years old and, um, and I played with space Lego. Yep. <laughs> and I was there, I was the eldest. So uh, I got like the first Legos back in the 80s, you know what I mean? And, and the most... Uh, anxious thing I had about my Lego back in the 80s was my younger brother. I'll tell you why, because you create something and, and, and your younger brother, two years younger than you, he does not appreciate and understands the intricacy, the delicacy, the passion that has gone into it. So I was constantly building Lego ships and placing them up high for my brother Marcus to find and he wanted to play with it. And then my mum and dad had a conversation with me, Christoph, you've got to share your Lego, you know what I mean? And I was like, mm, 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 mm. Um, Lego is a gift given to us by a guy called Ole Kurt Christensen, a Danishman. I wish he was German, but he was Danish, God bless him. It's 50 years old at the moment. Um, just letting you know, coming up to Christmas, they've got stats to say that they sell 28 sets of Lego per second during Christmas. So, ho, 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 if, if you're Lego, ho, 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 it's awesome. And, and, and the last thing, and this is like this awesome little stat they had here, is that there are 80 little Lego bricks per person on earth. 
And, and, and if you're a parent, you've probably trodden on most of those pieces <laughs> at some stage in the night. So I'm going to take these two things, uh, allegory and I'm going to take Lego, and I'm going to bring them together. And hopefully by the end of today, you're going to look at the Christmas story in a different way. Okay? So here we go. I've got two chapters in this, and the first one is called The Minifigure. And the second chapter, when my remote works, Oh, here we go. The rebuild. And if you're already like a bit kind of Christian-y theologically, you already know where I'm going with this, and that's not a bad thing. Um, can I pray? Jesus, you are alive, and you are with these people. And um, you come, as you did like some 2,000 years ago, and you bring hope, and I suppose that is what we're looking for today. Not a, we may be looking for another experience of you, but we come on this day to look for hope and invite that to come alive in us. So why do a tapu, Holy Spirit, would you come, would you lead, would you guide now? And the people of God said, Amen. Cool. The minifigure. Oh, I'm going to go back. Oh, the minifigure. Um, sorry, I'm going to go back. Um, imagine. Uh, who's, hands up who's seen the, uh, the Lego movie? Cool, the Lego movie. All right, most of you, if you don't know what it is, it was a very clever movie. Um, I want you now to use your imaginations as good kind of Christian folk, as imagine that they're going to do a Lego movie, whatever, number three or four or something. But this time they're doing something very, very different with the Lego movie. Instead of doing stop motion animation, they're actually going, they have, they created this box thing that you stand into, and then you could be an extra in the Lego movie. But what would happen is you'd step into that box and then there would be a transformation that would happen in your body and you would actually literally shrink down and you would actually become a Lego figure in within that movie. Now, I want you to think how crazy and how ludicrous that would be because being human, we have these emotions, we have these, you know, we have, we have dreams, aspirations, and suddenly to play this extra part in Lego movie number five, we have to kind of go through some sort of transformation. And imagine trying to be a Lego figure, um, figurine. Um, you know, firstly, I've, my body's okay. It's aging, getting some grey hairs, you know, and so a lot more wrinkles. But suddenly, jing, I'd kind of pop out and I'd be all yellow. And, and I'm thinking about the way I'd move instead of me kind of like being like swaggerish. You know, suddenly everything is like, like this and how I would walk and move and even talk and the way I'd express myself. It would be incredibly restricting in what I would do. And as we head into Advent and a roundabout way, this is the picture of what we find of what Jesus has done in coming as God and being human. It's about as ludicrous and as crazy as the God who is all-compassing and creative and redemptive and powerful and beautiful steps into the shape of, not, of a human. It would be just like us, probably even more audacious, of us being confining ourselves into the life of a minifigure. This is this idea. I'm going to put my little... Actually, Jimmy, do you want to hold that? Yeah, I want that back, by the way. <laughs> now, um, uh, a guy called Paul, very smart guy. He happens to love Jesus. He tries to write about this and encapsulate this. And what he says in Philippians... You must have the same attitude as Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges and he took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. 
And then He appeared in human form and He humbled Himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So there's a couple of things um, that I wanna sort of start with is that Paul is stating that when Jesus comes, He is not just a moral teacher. He's not just some guy 2,000 years ago who happened to say some really interesting things about God. Paul is starting up with the idea that the master builder, the master builder stepped into the Lego set. The master builder stepped, the creator stepped now into his creation. And, and, and he is stating and highlighting that this is the big idea behind what, why Christmas is so awesome. I was talking to a young person the other day, I said, hey, just, you know, because sometimes I ask like spiritual Christians of, of people that I know, and I said, um, hey, what do you think um, Christmas is about? Oh, it's about joy. And I said, really, is, is there something more to it? Got that young person thinking, I'm going to follow her up later on. But, but there's this idea of like, oh, goodness me, he was God. And then there's this second element that we sort of, develop here, and, and this is the beautiful thing of what's happened, is that God has decided to restrict Himself in the form of a human being. The master builder becomes like a Lego, it'd be like us becoming a Lego, and in that way. Um, N.T. Wright, um, the uh, theologian in England, he's a good Anglican. Um, do I have any ex-Anglicans or current Anglicans in the, God bless you. Bless you, Holy Spirit. I mean, so good. <laughs> this is what he says around that passage, um, around this thing is that he gave up his divine privileges. This is what he ends up uh, pulling out. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges or he emptied himself. This is what he, this is what um, N.T. Wright writes. Not meaning being divine, then human, then divine again. This is when Jesus kind of goes from being God to then being human. And then and you think he's going to, when he dies again, he's divine again. He's going, no, obedience to the divine plan of salvation. It wasn't about stopping being divine, but it was a decision about what it really meant to be divine. So it could be really interesting. It's like, oh, so when God was there, he kind of comes in Jesus, but then he stops kind of being special. And then when he dies, then he's back to kind of being superpower again. He's going, no, all the way through, Jesus was totally God and totally man at the same time. And in terms of faith stuff, this makes the Christian faith really, really unique because other faiths are going, do this and, and live this way because we can appease God. Uh, other faiths are kind of going, God is revealed through His prophet. This is what you've got to do to kind of set your life right. But Christians take it really, really in a different way. They go, oh my goodness, God became one of us, showed us what it meant to be close to God and then ultimately did something so redemptive that it changes absolutely everything. That makes it a really different point, a different point for us. Oh, sorry, that last bit that I really wanna hammer, Jesus is the God of self-giving love. Not a bad way to start journeying into Christmas of going, oh, Jesus is God's expression of a self-giving God to us rather than just, oh, Jesus kind of, yeah, Jesus was, he was born. It's like, like, this is who I am. It's like, I'm, I give myself like, willingly because I'm love. The idea that he then, uh, sorry, so instead he gave up his divine privileges, he took the humble position of being a slave and was born a human being. Paul is using the word slave. He's purposely putting it in there as something that's challenging. We would look at that now and we go, man, slavery's bad. He's saying that, that Jesus was totally like a slave. He's going, no, when you think of slave, you are thinking of someone who, who, who would be almost like powerless, 
but then we, what we know of Jesus and of God, He is not powerless. So He's using this idea of going, it would almost be like slavery being human, but this is what He did out of the act of love. Are we tracking? Are you guys tracking? You're kind of looking at me going, goodness me, I want James back. You know what I mean? Are we okay? We okay? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. I'm actually pushing the button. So here's the recap of minifigure. That this is the incarnation. When Christians sort of talk about the incarnation, is that God is self-giving and the divine Jesus is vulnerable. I want, you to, I want you to sit on that as we kind of come into kind of Christmas. Is that in Jesus, he is so incredibly vulnerable. I've, I've had the opportunity to be a father um, three times. My, my eldest, two weekends, three weekends ago, turned 21. And I can remember holding my little boy as a baby and then realising the depth and gravity of the responsibility they have with this little life that is utterly um, dependent on me. More so my wife, because she had breast milk, you know what I mean? Yeah. But at that stage, yeah. but I realised how, how, and it reframed for me um, uh, Christmas. I'm like, because if you think about it, Jesus could have turned up just like, you know, like, just kind of steps into the world, warm, you know, and everyone's like far out, lights, lasers, smoke machine. <laughs> Sounds like a Pentecostal, you know, service, doesn't it really? You know what I mean? You know, apart from the hipster shoes, you know what I mean? Jesus totally, but then 2,000 years, humble up, upbringing in the, back, in the backdrop of nowhere and, and comes as a child. Why? Because Jesus is accessible to us. As James said, the Word became flesh, the all-compassing the all glory of God decides to be human, moves into the neighbourhood. This anchors us coming into Christmas. God is close. God is accessible. God steps towards us. The master builder steps into his creation to become one of us, to rescue us. Welcome to Christmas. That's good news for everyone. Cool. Just for the record, I had way too much fun putting this sermon together. <laughs> way too much fun. <laughs> the rebuild. I met with a young guy uh, earlier in the year and uh, we caught up for dumplings. Sometimes I, I would grab a, a craft beer with someone, sometimes I'd, I'd grab a coffee, but this time it was dumplings. And when I met with this guy, he was not in good shape. Ah. Uh, his name's Mike. Let's just say his name's Mike. Mike says to me, um, two nights ago, I had, a, I had a really big argument with my wife and it got so bad that I was angry at her, I was angry at me. And he said, um, and I picked up a knife and I put, it, I put it to my chest and I told her to come towards me. And, and I told her if she hates me, that she should just do it. She just put it in me. You know, he was, 
you know, and I said, well, what was going on behind that? And he reveals to me the financial pressures that he had. Uh, he got, he's got debts mounting. Uh, he doesn't know how, how, how to pay those sort of things. And, and at that moment, he is in his absolute low and he's at war with the very woman that loves him, but he has no way to kind of express that and he has no way out. And he's sitting there and he goes, and, I, and he goes, I held that knife there and I just told her, just, just push it into me. And he's like started, you know, weeping. And I said to Mike, well, what ended up happening next? She, she got angry with me, she left, I dropped the knife. And then I came to a point where I'm going, what have I done? What am I doing with my life? Now, this guy loves Jesus and he's trying to do his best to be a dad, trying to do his best to be a husband. But I tell you what, even if you love Jesus, even if you're kind of doing really, really well, there are times when, when, when the rebuild needs to kick in, when you're just going, what do I do next? How do I make this thing work? I, I don't even know if I've got tomorrow to even hang on to. Just because we love Jesus doesn't mean to say that things are going to go well. Now, I'll let you know what happened in that guy's story. He's, he's doing all right now. But I wanted to bring you in on it and going, we're in a world where there's constant rebuild that needs to happen. Um, uh, again, Paul sums it up here um, in the ESV um, translation. For while we were the enemies, that is humanity, um, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more that now when reconciled, we should be saved by his life. There's the sort of the sense of that um, if, if, if God is the master builder, then as Lego said, has had not just one or two you know, younger brothers come in and smash it, it's had us deliberately participate in smashing the Lego set. And then that Lego set broken, we, we, the same brokenness in the Lego set is in us. And we, left by our own devices, will just continue to kind of keep breaking, keep messing it up, keep, keep mucking it up absolutely all the time. And here's this picture where he kind of goes is that even when we're enemies, even when we're all in for brokenness, even in for, we're all in for dysfunction and being passive aggressive and whatever, even Jesus has come that we would not be like this. And, that, and, and here's this idea of reconciled. Um, it sounds like such a Christian-y word and it kind of, a kind of, I'm going to kind of give you a bit of a context of what it is. But, you know, like you just imagine going to church and someone goes, how are you? And you'd say, I'm just feeling so reconciled today. You know what I mean? <laughs> and you'd be like, you'd be like, oh. Imagine walking down Cuba Street. Hey, man, how's it going? Mate, I'm reconciled. Go on Cuba Street. I'm going to give you reconciled right now. I'm going to reconcile my fist with you. You know what I mean? Like, it's a really interesting sort of word. But this is what it kind of means. Reconciled has these two ideas behind it. It's right standing and it's something come together. And the main idea around it, it isn't that you're fixed and you're broken and you're put back together like a little Lego minifigure. It's the idea is that if James and I have friendship and relationship and then um, I just act like an absolute Muppet and at some stage he comes back and say, dude, you've been a Muppet. Oh, actually, I have been unkind. It's like we're now closer. We're back to the way it should be because we should be friends. We should be close in relationship. The language and the ideas that is in Romans is that with that in the coming of Jesus, there's this relationship thing where we now, oh, we're, we're right together. We're sweet. We're, this is the way it's supposed to be. We're actually, we relate and we, we, you know, and that's the idea behind it. And that act, that act of reconciliation is for economies. It is for the world. It is for the arts, it is for countries, it is for continents. 
It's for cities, it's for communities, it's for this church, and it's ultimately that act of closeness is for each and every single one of us. This is not just Jesus kind of coming and dying and it's like a personal thing. It's so much bigger than our imaginations get our heads around. But it's so personal that it can come into us and change us and bring us love and life. And this image, I, I sort of used my imagination. If I went down Cuba Street and I took a picture of the, the Lego mini type figure people, that would be Cuba Street, you know what I mean? Because if you've been down Cuba Street, I mean, seriously, we, you go down Cuba Street, we've even got a plant, a, a human plant that plays the flute. Welcome to Wellington. Do you know what I mean? In fact, if I was looking at all the ones there, which one James would be, I'd be definitely going the hippie and the right up the front there. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, yeah. So, so I want you to take the time to pick yourself out. Um, there's even Santa, and um, yeah. So this this thing that Jesus has done is personal. This thing, the rebuild, is like for the world. The master builder gets involved in his creation, his set, and decides to allow the brokenness of that set to come on him. And then that brokenness then brings new life to the set and the set re can come now to life. And ultimately, even the minifigures, even our little lives in the set, now we get to listen and participate with God to bring that kind of reconciliation to the world that we live in. Welcome to being part of the kingdom. We're all different, we're all a little bit broken, but we're so incredibly hopeful as Jesus brings us life and invites us to not just say, oh yeah, by the way, you're broken and you're broken, but to go, oh yeah, I, I see that. And I can see that that's part of, but the hope that we know is far bigger than that brokenness. That's a good way to live. So the rebuild. Jesus puts us all back together. And Jesus' death gives us full life. Welcome to Christmas. <laughs> so where am I going to land with this? Going to keep it punchy because um, short snappy keeps Jesus happy. So um, <laughs> this is where I'm kind of going. Um, I'm going to land two questions to you. Um, and these are questions, these are two questions that every sermon um, will always be put before you because they should be. What is God saying? What are you going to do about it? Those two questions invite you not to passivity and to entertainment, by the way. Because it's like, what is God saying? It's like, oh my goodness, I have to discern that. I have to listen. I have to be open to that. And the second is the maturity of going, oh God, whatever you're saying now, it's like, I've got to, I want to, I want because you love and you come to me and there's, there's brokenness in me and but your love is so much greater that it doesn't have to there what actions redemptive actions and I and I ask you that today I'm not going to like oh let's hand the mic around and kind of like but the idea is that going maturity is going I, I take serious these questions and then ask God what do you want me to do and literally and, and like welcome to being a follower of Jesus where we nut these things out I don't know how you're going to answer that and it's not like and you better email James because if you don't, 
I don't know, you've got the choice. You, grace and love and freedom gives you the choice to go, oh yeah, okay, that was interesting. I hope that guy doesn't come back. <laughs> or it invites us to go, I think I want to head towards Christmas in a different direction. And I don't quite know how, but I know I want you. Um, uh, the artist Banksy, a um, couple of years ago, English guy, um, has this great, idea, uh, great ability to, of bringing allegory. He would create an image that sees something behind it. Now, you, you can sort of see what this is saying, yeah? Yeah? Okay. So Banksy's pulling out the, this great idea of that. Is this really what Christmas has become about? And I get it, though. Like, I'm, I'm with you, like, looking at my budget, and there's not that much money. And I go to the supermarket, and everything's really expensive, and I want to be generous. I, I, I get that. They're like, we want to have 20 of those boxes, but actually, like, far out. Like, where does that, how's that going to work? Where's that money going to come from? I get that you, you, you love your kids and relatives and dad, and, and oh, my goodness, my dad is so hard to buy for, by the way. <laughs> Dad, you are so hard to buy for. <laughs> it's not even like he's German. It's not even like he reads books or anything. You know, Dad. <laughs> but I get we're coming to Christmas that, you know, the incarnation, God doing the real. I get how it's like this is the furthest thing. You, you don't know how busy my schedule is. You don't know how many things I've been invited to and I'm, and I'm turning up and I'm tired and I'm just over the year. I can get getting into Christmas, the carol and cake, you're like, oh my God, it's like another event. I get it. But if we don't anchor ourselves in the story, if we don't allow Jesus to shape our imaginations and our love, it will be this and absolute more. But we are a different kind of people that sit differently to, to discern and to invite the very life of Jesus into our lives, to not just like bring new meaning, but we're inviting Jesus to bring us new life as we head into December. This is our hope, is that God is at work. He has come close. He's accessible. He's vulnerable. And he invites us to be vulnerable. This is what Henri Nouwen, a beautiful Trappist monk, wrote um, a couple of years ago. He says, our society thinks economically. How much uh, love do I give to God? How much... Uh, my neighbour, and how much to myself? But he says this, God, God says, give all your love to me and I'll give to you your neighbour and yourself. And this is my challenge to you. Give your love to him. He comes to us vulnerable and he's inviting us to be vulnerable to him. Back to that story of Mike, so Mike makes some changes. One of the first things he decides to do because he has no hope is he talks to someone and he risks being vulnerable. And one of those people was me. And then he talks to somebody else. And then he talks to somebody else and he, found, and he finds out for, for men of his background, it's actually that it's okay to be angry. In fact, in fact, anger pointed the wrong direction leads us to drastic sort of things. And over time, there was a conversations, honest conversations about what was really going on for him because he, was, he felt like because they were under financial debt that somehow he was bringing shame upon his family because he wasn't providing enough. But then the guy was like working like crazy hours. But the, just his job that he had just wasn't sustainable. For, and, his, and it wasn't even like his lifestyle was affluent. 
all that fuckamah, all that shame was upon him. And suddenly he's, but suddenly letting in someone out, he was vulnerable to God, he was vulnerable to and suddenly his life starts changing bit by bit. And I just grabbed um, uh, breakfast with him the other day. And he said, you know, that was my darkest time. You were there. And I said, well, there are a lot of other people in the room with you as well. But this Christmas, the invitation for you is that maybe you're in a dark place, grieving, but Christ is vulnerable. Christ comes, he is accessible. Christ invites us to this, that we would be, we take the risk to get to know each other too and be vulnerable. We love because we know what love is. And if you don't know what love is, then this is a really good place to try to find, to work that out and experience it. And when I say the love, I do not say that we're going to, this church is going to get the love right, by the way. Probably most times, if you want to be part of this church, people are going to upset you, people are going to misunderstand you, people are not going to talk to you, people are going to talk to you. Do you know what I mean? But there's an intention here to say, in this community, Holy Spirit, help us. Jesus, we know your love. We ask that you would help us, you would lead us, you would change us. And maybe this group, us group, would see a different kind of future built. Not one that we have built, but one where we go, oh, the master builder's come. Master builder's shown us a really good way. And the master builder wants us to get our hands dirty and to rebuild our little part of the, of the Lego world that you find yourself in. And maybe the master builder wants to come in here and rebuild stuff in you that you've gone for a long time. Ah, no, you don't want to know what's in there. Oh, he knows. So where are we going? Um, some of you have tapped out on, on Christmas because you just, you know, and I get it. I'm, I want to come to Christmas and I'm almost tapping out on the shopping and everything. But I want, I need, and I know I need Jesus. And I know when I have that and have him, I think he's going to make Christmas something really, really special, really, really different. Some of you, um, you know, uh, you heard um, Mike's story and, that, and that's you, kind of you. And you know you need help, and it's like, good, car pie, you're in the right place. And some, you just want to, to see what God wants to do. So um, I'm going to be really generic, or well, not generic, I'm focused. Um, if you're tapped out on a Christmas, we'd love to pray for you. Um, not because you need fixing, but sometimes you just need some hope. But also the brokenness stuff, if that's you, um, you're in a safe space. So I'd like to pray. Um, what do we do with you, Jesus? Well, you have come and you demonstrate that you are close. And I ask by your spirit that you would do that yet again. And this time, 
you don't just come and you appear in, 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 in like a body. This time you, you are so mysterious because you come by your spirit. And the work of you and your spirit, um, we don't understand it, but we need it. And I ask that with these people that are here, this community, that you would show that you are kind, that you are just, you are, you are close, you are redemptive and you are truthful. And it is you that we desire. So shape our imaginations leading into Christmas. Come be with us now as your people. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. So uh, thanks for not throwing stuff at me. That's really good. <laughs> Um, I'm going to ask just the team could just jam it's going to be super vineyard low key so I know you might want me to kind of get all emotional and really no we're just going to like do it super chill and say yeah that's me Um, Heidi my whatever you say will not be used against you in the court of law by the way (laughs) we want to do a good job of listening but to pray our best prayers to be with you and whatever you're at today is that okay? So um, uh, it too with me, if you could stand. And, uh, and this space is now a sacred space that you can come.